0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: So I came across this editorial in uh, New York Magazine, which Aren't I thought was... a uh... you fancy? I can't even remember how I became aware of it, but uh, it's by Jonathan Chait, and his title is the School Closures Were a Catastrophic Error. Yep. Progressives still haven't reckoned with it. Sometimes you need to own up to an error error, so it's not repeated. And, you know, if I wanted to and if we had unlimited time, um, I could read you. I have a stack here of emails on the topic of the tragedy of the school closures. Uh, some are from parents. Some are from uh, uh, teachers. Um, talking about, you know, the depression, the anxiety, the suicide attempts, the, uh, the, uh, substance abuse, uh, teachers talking about how they thought when they came back in person, it would all be better again, but the kids have lost something. And it's just so different now. It's, it's, it's really sad is another reason, you know, I haven't pushed it to the top of things we're talking about.
3: I don't want to take up your time, but I'll, I'll never understand. How people didn't catch on to this faster. Do you remember how confused I was at the time? Hey, is anybody else having any luck with this? Because this is a disaster. Is this working for anybody else? But I didn't hear anybody talking about
2: it. I remember in the very early days, you asked all the parents you knew, friends, relatives, everybody, um, and the kids. What percentage of learning do you think you're getting out of this? And one self-starting, super bright kid said about 30%, and that was the champion. (laughs)
3: Yeah, everybody else was way lower than that. And so, with that out there, how did it not become a... Well, anyway,
2: it didn't. So let me hit this editorial by Jonathan Chait, and he is a a man of the left who's praying the left picks up on this. I'm kind of hoping they don't for at least a little while. I hope they do eventually, because I don't want to see the tragedy repeated, but... He writes recently. Nate Silver, he's the uh, three eighty six guy, right? The, is that the number thing that the polling organization four eighty six? Not three eighty six. Not four eighty six. It's a number. What is that? Yeah, it's a two eighty one. I don't remember. Uh, blink one eighty two. I don't. I don't recall. Anyway, uh, Nate. It's not that important. Nate Silver <laughs> found himself in the unenviable role of main character of the day on Twitter. Five thirty eight. Yes, that's the one. That's much better than the numbers I threw out there. Anyway, he was the main character on Twitter for a day because he proposed that school closures were, quote, a disastrous invasion of Iraq magnitude or perhaps greater policy decision. Wow. The comparison generated overwhelming anger and mockery. And Chait says it's not an easy one to defend, a fiasco that led to hundreds of thousands of deaths, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, it's a pretty high bar. Wing policy failures in such utterly different realms to each other is so inherently difficult that any discussion quickly devolves into, could Superman beat Mighty Mouse territory? <laughs> Which I thought was oddly amusing in this context. Anyway, but these complications do not fully explain the sheer rage generated by Silver. The furnace-hot backlash seemed to be triggered by Silver's assumption that school closings were not only a mistake... A possibility many progressives have quietly begun to accept. But an error of judgment that was sufficiently consequential and foreseeable that we can't just shrug it off as a bad dice roll. It was a historic blunder that revealed some deeper flaw in the methods that produced it and which demands corrective action. And it was obvious within weeks. That's
3: what makes me so mad and what I've never understood. It was obvious within weeks that this
2: whole home learning thing does not work. You're 100% correct, and undeniably so. And I think uh, Mr. Chait soft-pedals that reality in the next several sentences. Um, you'll notice that that it was clear almost immediately. That unnerving implication is, has a mounting pile of evidence to support it. It is now indisputable, and almost indisputed, that the year and a quarter of virtual school imposed devastating consequences on the students who endured it. Studies have found that virtual school left students nearly a half a year behind pace, on average, at least. Uh, with the learning loss falling disproportionately on low-income Latino and black students, perhaps a million students functionally dropped out of school altogether. And the social isolation imposed on kids caused a mental health state of emergency, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, and virtually anybody with the uh, Awareness of kids. The damage to a generation of children's social development and educational attainment, and particularly to the social mobility aspects of its most marginalized members, uh, will be irrecoverable. It is nearly as clear that these measures did little to contain the pandemic. Children face little risk adv- uh. adverse health effects from contracting COVID, and there's almost no evidence the towns that kept schools open had more community spread.
3: Wow, so that's a heck of a thing for him to say. So he's not only saying it was a disaster... He's saying a disaster that didn't even need to happen at all. It would be one thing if he was weighing it against, you know, it was dangerous, but this is worse in the long run and the balance
2: of things. No, it wasn't even dangerous to start with. Well, exactly. He's trying to do, in fairness, a cost-benefit analysis, but there's only cost and no benefit. None. In the panicked early weeks of the pandemic, the initial decision to close schools seemed like a sensible precaution. I would agree. At least temporarily. Authorities drew on the closest example at hand, the 1918 Spanish flu. But in relatively short order, growing evidence showed that the century-old precedent did not offer much useful guidance. While the Spanish flu was especially deadly for children, COVID-19, just the opposite, as we all know now. It is so... You know what it is? It's revealing that he has to point these things out to his lefty audience. Um, It's shocking, but interesting. By the tail end of spring 2020... It was becoming reasonably clear both that remote education was failing badly and that schools could be reopened safely. What happened next was truly disturbing. And what's happened next, we'll describe to you after a brief word from our good friends at Simply Safe Home Security. They're giving our listeners 20% off for the New Year's on their award winning home security. And your first month is free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service.
3: Why wow, you can take 20% off your Simply Safe system and your first month is free? When
2: it's not very out. expensive anyway, honestly. As great as it is, it's very reasonably priced.
3: Named the best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report. You go to the website, you click around, you customize it for your home. You can get free custom recommendations if you want a little help. In fact, they help you with everything, set up and everything else. You set it up yourself. So this isn't a make an appointment and be there between 11 and 5 and somebody will come to your home. Nope. You set it up yourself, take you about a half an hour. No long-term contacts, contracts and no commitments.
2: Any scumbag ever comes to onto your property and does something foul, you're gonna have their picture, their license plate, and high def camera views thanks to the indoor and outdoor cameras. Good stuff. Take twenty percent off your Simply Safe system. First month of monitoring free, just go to SimplySafe.com Armstrong. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong.
3: I wish I could take any enjoyment in this lefty commentator saying that some of us were right about this, but I can't. It was too damaging to the kids. There is no pleasure at all in this. It's just maddening. Just yeah. freak. It's beyond maddening. This is going to go down in history like the um, uh, the experiments they conducted on uh, black males with syphilis. I mean, it's it's going to be that sort of thing. Like, how did that ever happen? You'll wonder, wow, what a different time that must have been. Yeah, how did the cruelty and ignorance. How did yeah. something that crazy ever occur where they shut down schools?
2: Unbelievable. So Jonathan Chait, He just went through, if you're just joining us or you have a short memory, a short attention span, he just went through the fact that the evidence was irrefutable, that remote schooling was failing miserably, and that the children were not at risk from COVID. Irrefutable evidence. What happened next was truly disturbing. The left, by and large, rejected this evidence. Progressives were instead carried along by two predominant impulses. One was a zero-COVID policy that refused to weigh the trade-off of any measure that could even plausibly claimed to suppress the pandemic the other was deference to teachers unions who are organizing to keep schools closed those strands combined in refusal to acknowledge the scale or importance of losing in-person learning with a moralistic insistence that anyone who disagreed was callous about death or motivated by greed he leaves out handily enough the cult of trump hatred right Because that was a powerful animating force of those other things. Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Social scientists have measured the factors that drove schools to say closed last year. One study found schools with unionized teachers, more of which were located in more Democratic voting districts, were more likely to remain all virtual. Another likewise found, quote, local political partisanship and union strength rather than the severity of COVID predicted school closing. It is always easier to diagnose these pathologies when they're taking place on the other side. You've probably seen the raft of papers showing how vaccine uptake correlates with Democratic voting and COVID deaths correlate with Republican voting. Perhaps you've marveled at the spectacle of Republican elites actively harming their own audience, from his perspective. Although these people always, they can't comprehend there's a difference between vaccines and vaccine mandates. Anyway, but the same thing Fox News hosts were doing to their elderly supporters, progressive activists were doing to their side's young ones. In a big country, there are always going to be crazy people at the margins. You can measure the health of the parties by the degree to which crazy ideas are taken up by powerful people. But the Democratic Party's internal debate on school closings was making room at the table for some truly unhinged ideas the head of the largest state's most powerful teachers' union, insisted on the record, quote, that there is no such thing as learning loss." Oh, wow. You remember that?
3: Wow. So I'll ask the question you were asking me earlier about the whole voting rights thing. Do those teachers' union people that did this horrible thing to our kids, did they actually believe they were doing the right thing? Or are they just that cynical and care that little about children?
2: I think they combine the greed of the uh, you know the Wall Street robber baron with the morality of the uh, mob assassin. Honestly, I just think they're rotten to their core. Anyway, the the head of the largest state's most powerful teachers union insisted on the record there is no such thing as learning loss and should have been barred from public conversation for the rest of her life for that, and described plans to reopen schools as, quote... Oh, my God, that makes me insane. That makes me insane. How can you say that out loud? That's
3: nonsensical. Not only is there data to back up the fact that that's nonsensical, it just doesn't make any sense on its face.
2: Yeah, somebody get, the, get me the name of the California Teachers Association head. I can't remember. It's not Randy Weingarten. She's the national gal. Uh, but th- this is an evil, evil human. Google it. There's no such thing as learning loss. And describe plans to reopen schools as, quote, a recipe for propagating structural racism. Oh, boy. Played the race card on it. Within Blue America, transparently irrational ideas like this were able to carry the day for a disturbingly long period of time. In recent days... Angie Schmidt and Rebecca Bodenheimer have both written essays recounting the disorienting and lonely experience they had watching their friends and one-time political allies denounce them for supporting a return to in-person learning. Bodenheimer's account is especially vivid. Quote, Parents who advocated for school reopening were repeatedly demonized on social media as racist and mischaracterized as Trump supporters. Members of the parent group I helped lead were consistently attacked on Twitter and Facebook uh by two Oakland moms with ties to the teachers union they labeled advocates calls for school reopening white supremacy called us karens and even bizarrely claimed we had allied ourselves with marjorie taylor Greene's transphobic agenda
3: e toby boyd i'm told is the name of the head of the california that doesn't teachers sound association
2: right but uh, okay i could be wrong it should be
3: a household name if it's correct this story makes me so angry i i can barely talk
0: armstrong Getty. jack armstrong and joe getty sure the, the armstrong and getty show have scientists
3: figured out why pizza is the way it is in terms of eating we had pizza last night my son had a soccer game and it just seemed like an easy way to deal with dinner after uh, after the soccer game so we ordered a pizza and um but other food you get full of and so it can't just be salty or cheesy or whatever, because there's lots of salty, cheesy food that you get full of. Like, I can't sit and eat lasagna for hours. <laughs> I mean, you oh, get full. Oh, I can eat a
2: lot of it. Yeah, yeah I see you what you You get you're full saying. and you
3: yeah. stop. But pizza, it's just like,
2: this is having no effect on me. Well, a pizza is proof that there is a God, he loves us, and he wants us to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Pizza has virtually every texture. It has every flavor, from the sweet to the salty to the savory. Uh, it's just, it's it's exquisite. It's the best thing ever. I mean, sex is arguably good, too. But pizza is just a gift from the gods. Why? I don't know. I end up in the I same just spot. Know I love it.
3: I end up in the space, same spot with either one, just really tired, wanting to go to sleep. In both instances.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, my favorite pizza on earth, Dells, Champagne, Illinois, um, is uh, they they will uh, uh, freeze pizzas and send them to you, and then you bake them, and, and they come out really, really good. It's been a long time since I've done that because I'm already fat enough, and I'm, work- I'm fighting my weight so hard these days because, you know, it's not vanity. My weight gets to a certain point, my blood pressure goes up, and that's what's going to kill me, so I really need to get it down. And the point oh, that you're, the point that you're FedExing
3: special pizzas in at great expense—it's just
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, obviously there's got to be a little counteracting exercise or something like that. But man, I've been holding out, and I've gotten to the point where I'm dreaming about it, and I just—I think I may have to go there. <laughs> yeah, the exercise thing. So I got the Apple
3: Watch, and that it records your exercising whether I want to or not, and it's pretty cool. So it'll. It'll basically say, I see you're on a bike ride. This is how far you've... Uh, written. I mean, I, I I don't even think about it. But the it tells you how many calories you burned, and it's always just astounding. Wait a second. I just rode five miles on a bicycle, and I burned like 100 calories? That's like two bites of pizza. Yeah, I know. It. So the I'm going to exercise it. part of it, ah, it doesn't exactly work.
2: Hey, how about you blow your own illusions, not mine? All right. Now I got to wait another day or two to order a Papa. Devil's. That's what Sandifer no. said about the Apple
3: Watch. So he doesn't want he doesn't want somebody saying, you know, this is how you didn't stand enough today, and this is how much you ate, and this is how much you exercised. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, shut up. Why don't you just tell me the time? None ya. Creepy dolls are washing up on shore in Texas near. Uh, South Padre Island, where uh, our, our whole family went to vacation when I was in high school, and it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, uh, fantastic. But luckily, at the time, creepy dolls were not washing up on shore. This has been going on for years. Nobody has any idea why. They weren't originally creepy dolls, probably. But after being in the ocean for months, years, you know, plastic takes would take a 1,000 years to disintegrate. Who knows? These Mm -hmm. might be from the 50s. But anyway, they show up. Most of them are bald at the time. The eyes are missing, and there's, like, creatures growing out of them and everything like that. So when the dolls wash up on shore, they're, like, particularly macabre. And and it's been going on for for years, and nobody
2: has any idea why. Which would you prefer, that? Or you remember when feet kept washing up in uh, Washington State? Real feet, not doll feet. Actual feet. Human feet, yeah. Disembodied feet. They, did they ever figure that out? Yeah, more or less. Did some just guy the... hobble in and say, hey, heard you found <laughs> my feet. Has anybody seen these spare feet? Uh, no, they just figure that uh, if humans uh, croak it in the ocean, sooner or later, your sinews break down, things shake loose. Maybe a shark takes a bite out of you and your foot floats to shore.
0: Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty,
1: and now he is Armstrong and Getty. Obviously, uh, Twitter or any forum is bound by the laws of the country that it operates in. Um, so, to, obviously, there there are some limitations on free speech uh, in, in the u.s.
2: and and of course uh... Twitter would have to abide by those uh... Right. rules.
3: so there will be limitations on twitter of course if elon musk ends up uh... actually getting to buy the thing and take it over and um... that's one of the things that david french was writing about in the atlantic uh... he doesn't think elon musk can fix twitter for a variety of reasons But he also mentions if Musk tries to end any reasonable moderation, which he was never going to do, but he's going to run into Gab problem, the Gab problem. I'd never even heard of Gab. Gab, for people who don't know, is an almost no moderation competitor to Twitter. The reason you've likely not heard of Gab is that there's only a very small market for truly unfettered speech online. As a general matter, people don't like to swim in sewers. Yeah, completely unfettered fettered speech you ha you immediately have nothing but horrifying violence
2: and and uh brutal sex yeah and and hateful rhetoric and ha- i mean and actually hateful, yeah. hateful rhetoric right
3: and so you, you just don't want to hang around there to make your comment about anything else i think we all get that it's a bit of a uh i don't know what the proper term is but to to, to set that up as a That's what it's going to turn into. I don't think anybody was hoping, wanting that. I don't think Elon was wanting that. I don't think anybody's asking for that. The idea is that just don't have a completely one-sided giant platform where something as important as the Hunter Biden laptop story, for instance, is not allowed. Where you lose your account. If you try to even talk about it, or if you try to bring up the fact that the coronavirus may have started in the lab, you're, you're booted off the platform. That's what nobody
2: wants. Right. It's kind of a weird reverse of the Mott Bailey argument uh, in that the argument isn't that there should be no moderation. The argument is that you're very, very bad at it, Twitter. Very bad. We got a note from a Twitter insider talking about how the the people in charge of this, actually firmly believe the wildest, leftiest, uh, critical theory garbage you've heard about.
3: So um, i a got much to say on that, but we got uh, a couple more hours of show left to do. I don't want to not have time for this because it's so interesting. It's a podcast or um, um, presentation that came out years ago about the troubles Facebook ran into when they started trying to I don't know. like the word "censor" has so many uh, connotations to it to try to weed out stuff that they knew nobody wanted on the platform to moderate, yeah. to moderate. Elon just said there's going to be some moderation. Uh, we'll go through some of this. It's about the Facebook site integrity
5: team when they started trying to moderate on Facebook. So the site integrity team, those 12 people at the time, they, they realized they had to start spelling out exactly what they meant.
6: Precisely. All of these people at Facebook were in charge of trying to define nudity.
7: So, I mean, yeah, the first cut at it was visible male and female genitalia. And then visible female breasts. And then the question is, well, okay, how much of a breast needs to be showing before it's nude? And the thing that we landed on was if you could see
5: essentially the nipple and areola, then that's nudity. And it would have to be taken down, which theoretically at least would appease these protesters because, you know, now when a picture would pop up of a mother breastfeeding, as long as the child was blocking the view of the nipple and the areola, they, they could say, cool, no problem. The the
3: protesters they refer to is early in Facebook when they still only had 10 million users as opposed to half the planet. Uh, there was a giant protest out in front of the Facebook headquarters from moms who wanted to be able to tweet or uh, put post pictures on Facebook of them breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And uh, those had been taken down because it was considered nudity, and they protested. And, of course, Mark Zuckerberg, the last thing he wanted to be was anything that, that people on the left didn't like. So they had to start down the road of moderating, and as you heard there, it got complicated, and it continues.
6: Then you start getting pictures that are women with just their babies on their chest with their breasts bare, like, for example, maybe baby was sleeping on the chest of a bare-breasted woman and not actively breastfeeding.
7: Okay, now what? Like, is this actually breastfeeding? No, it's actually not breastfeeding. The woman is just holding the baby and she has her top off. No, but she was clearly just
5: breastfeeding the baby. Well, like, well, maybe I would before. Say, Well, yeah. I would say it's sort of like kicking a soccer ball. Like... A photo of someone who has just kicked the soccer ball, you can tell the ball is in the air, but there is no contact between the foot and the ball in that moment, potentially. <laughs> so although it is a photo of someone kicking a soccer ball, they are not, in fact, kicking the soccer ball in that photo. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a good And example. This, this became the procedure or the, the protocol or the approach for all these things, was we have to base it purely on what we can see in the image.
6: And so we didn't allow that to stay up under the rules because it could be too easily exploited for other types of content like nudity or pornography
2: (laughs) right so so, that settled it and they
3: figured it out completely so if you had a baby in the picture you could show your your nude body well obviously that wasn't gonna fly it goes on
2: we
7: got to the only way you could objectively say that the baby and the mother were engaged in breastfeeding is if the baby's lips were touching the woman's nipple
5: so they included what you could call like an attachment clause but as soon as they got that rule in place
7: like you would see you know a twenty-five-year-old woman and a teenage-looking boy, right? And like, what the hell is going on there?
6: Oh yeah, it mm. gets really weird if you like start entering into like child age. I wasn't even going to bring that up because it's kind of gross.
7: <laughs> it's like breastfeeding porn. Is that a thing? Are there sites like?
5: Have Apparently,
3: that? yes, there is. And or people that liked taking advantage of it because there's a lot of trolls out there. Okay, oh, you'll boy. allow breastfeeding, so now we got a you know a nineteen-year-old boy who's latched onto the dimple of a an a grown-up woman and. Oh boy, getting <laughs> troubling. So then you got to figure out what's the right age. Okay, here we
5: go. And so this team, they realized they needed to have a nudity rule that uh, allowed for breastfeeding, but also had some kind of an age cap.
7: So, so, uh,
5: so then we were saying, okay, once you've progressed past infancy, then we believe that it's inappropriate. But then. Pictures would start popping up on their screen, and they'd be like, wait, is that an infant? Like, where's the line between infant and toddler?
7: And so the thing that we landed on was, if it looked like the child could walk on his or her own, then too old. Big enough to walk.
5: Too big to breastfeed. Oh, that could be 18 oh, well, that's months. Like, yeah, that's like a year old in, in some cases. Yeah, and like the World Health Organization recommends breastfeeding until, you know, like 18 months or two years. Which meant there were a lot of photos still being taken down.
8: Within you know days, we uh, continuing to hear reports from people that their photographs were still being targeted.
3: And an attempt to keep pictures off of Facebook of 19-year-old college dudes latched onto the nipple of some grown woman.
2: Well, not to get off on a tangent, but you remember that one boss of mine whose uh, wife was breastfeeding her kid at like age seven, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Michael, that's how everybody reacted. The first time you saw it, it was like, wait, what? Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Yeah, I don't know. Who am I to judge? I don't want to get
3: too far off track here, but I just, I just, I've never understood the the enthusiasm for breastfeeding in public. Sure, you should be allowed. It's perfectly natural. I don't re- recoil in horror or think it's awful if my kids see it or anything like that. But I don't personally know. Well, I know a couple of hippies who are enthusiastic about it. They, they would rather do it in public, it would seem to me, than in private. But almost every other mom I've known, including the mother of my children, preferred to like be in the car or another room where there aren't. there's nobody around that's going to be looking at them. The, right. I really want to do it in public because I have the right, crowd is just all right whatever
2: you know that's funny it doesn't bother me at all in fact frequently i've approached breastfeeding women with a nice hot cup of coffee in my hand and said hey i'd like a little milk in this do you mind (laughs) oh jeez, that's the
3: worst thing i've ever heard but not the worst thing that's ever been on facebook so they move from nudity to other stuff like
5: violence And so this small team at Facebook got a little bigger and bigger, jumped up to 60 people and then 100, and they set out to create rules and definitions for everything. Can we go through some of sort of the ridiculous examples? Yes,
8: please. That's why we're here.
5: Okay. So gore. Gore. You mean violence kind of gore? Yes. So the gore standard was, headline, we don't allow graphic violence and gore. And then... The shorthand definition they used was "no insides on the outside."
1: No guts, no
7: blood pouring out of something.
5: Blood was a separate issue. There was uh, an excessive blood rule. They had to come up with rules about bodily fluids.
7: Semen, for example, would be allowed in like a clinical setting. But like, what does a clinical setting mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, does that mean if someone
2: is in a lab coat? Oh wow! Yes, <laughs> I'm on the uh, the mucus subcommittee of the
5: Facebook Gore Patrol. <laughs> And then one more category and we can discuss. And so from then on, as they run into problems,
6: those rules just constantly get updated
5: with constant amendments.
6: Yeah, constant amendments.
5: New problem, new rule. Another new problem, updated rule. In fact, at this point, they're amending these rules up to 20 times a month. Wow. Really? Yeah, take for example those rules about breastfeeding. In 2013, they removed the attachment clause. So the baby no longer needed to have its mouth physically touching the nipple of the woman. Oh. And in fact, uh one nipple and or areola could be visible in the photo. No, oh, but not two. For, for, for obvious,
3: obvious reasons. Two is too <laughs> much. For obvious reasons. <laughs> Right. So if you want to listen to that whole thing, it's fascinating. And we have the whole thing at our website, armstrongandgetty.com. At the very beginning, they point out that so Mark Zuckerberg, because as as I always say, this doesn't this isn't talked about enough. It was a freaking accident that he ended up a billionaire. So he had no plan for all of this, obviously. Um, uh, so they assembled a team of just like a few people when they realized, oh, the, well, they had the breastfeeding uh, uh protesters outside their gates. And, oh, no, we've get, we're have we getting national controversy for being mean to moms who want to breastfeed. We don't want to be that. And that's how they started down the road to this. And they they just grabbed a few people that had been there. Like it says on the podcast, they were assigned to the project because they'd been there for nine months as opposed to the people at Facebook that had been there for nine days. So they chose these eight people to decide what should be allowed on that. And they would go through one picture at a time. And, you oh. know, as Facebook grew, that became a problem of scale, and but they needed more and more people as the the problems got more and more complicated. Violence. Do you allow violence? Of course you don't allow violence. What about war? You want to be able to have wars? Well, that's news. Okay, that kind of violence. What's a war? What's not a war? Blah, 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 blah. What's a crime that people should know about? What is just posting for gratuitous reasons? I don't know, but these are the problems that Elon's going to run into. I think Elon will have the the advantage of not caring about tying himself into knots to appease every political Politically correct group out there, he'll have
2: that. Oh, advantage. amen. That's that's quality number one. He's going to bring to it. Yeah, but it's still a problem. I like the discussion of what defines art too, which is always uh, you know a vexing problem for mankind. But yeah, so you get into that as well. What if I have art depicting terrible violence uh, to illustrate the the needlessness of war? You know that sort of thing. Do what, I take that down? If
3: you, if, you if, if if a guy is, pardon the expression, if a guy is taking a dump on a picture of Putin, is that art?
2: It is, but
0: I'm not going to hang it in my living room.
3: (laughs) And with that, we'll wrap up the conversation.
0: Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, Safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
8: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV
0: We must. The Armstrong and Getty
6: Show.
2: Jack, are you aware that rats have plagued humans for centuries? Uh, probably. Uh, spread diseases, contaminate food, chew through pipes, electrical wires, etc., etc. Nobody wants rats. Have rats you, are ugly.
3: Have you ever read the Samuel Pepys' diaries?
2: I don't believe so. Now,
3: so they made us read some of it in school, and then I got into it later in life. Sixteen sixty something.
2: His name is spelled funny, isn't P-E-P-Y-S, it?
3: P e p y s, I think.
2: P e yeah. p y s, huh? I think. Anyway, um,
3: he, he talking about London in uh, you know centuries and centuries ago, and man, there is a lot of feces in the streets, mm. and just a g- 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 insane number of rats. I mean, you can't even if you if you got in a time machine and you landed there, you'd immediately be. St- You'd want to go back home. You'd think, this is London? This is freaking like I'm walking through poop, ankle deep.
4: There's, fecal matter.
3: There are rats everywhere. People have right. sores. The te- their teeth are falling out of their mouths. What
2: What is this? The air is so smoky you can barely breathe it. Right. You had lunch with Dickens scheduled, but please, I am going back home.
3: Funny on, <laughs> on that thought. I was watching Nate Bargatze's uh, stand up. If you haven't watched Nate Bargatze, spend your whole weekend watching his comedy specials. Damn, that guy is funny. But anyway, he was talking about if he had a time machine and he went back in time, it wouldn't he wouldn't be able to take anything he knows with him. He said, "I don't know how to do anything. I don't know. I don't know how to make anything. It's just like I, I'm." I'd, I'd be I'd be worse off back then than I am now I'd probably be waiting tables immediately I'm better off now than I would be back then and uh, <laughs> which is true so you could go back in time you think yeah I know that there's such thing as penicillin and antibiotics would probably help with the whole teeth falling in your mouth but it's not like I can make them so I don't nah, I can't really help with any of this stuff
2: yeah someday there yeah. will be
3: cell phones but it's not like I know how to build one sorry sorry about your rats and feces anyway back to the rats
2: So the good folks at Orkin have put out their annual list of the 50 rattiest cities in America. It feels to me like this comes out every six weeks. It does. uh, I think it may, but San Francisco has uh, repeated its dubious distinction of ranking number five nationwide once again. Isn't number one always Chicago? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, having grown up in Chicagoland, I saw rats as big as house cats in alleys in Chicago. I mean, they're terrifying. They'd turn and glare at you, and you'd like... I don't want no trouble, man.
3: (laughs) Remember at the height of the pandemic when cities were really shut down and the rats were bold enough to come out into the streets because they they weren't getting their normal garbage from restaurants? Right. Right. What what was that New York? I remember seeing one video where there were just rats everywhere on the streets at night. Oh,
2: yeah, it was like out of uh, Animal Farm, started to wear vests and pants. Anyway, um uh, da, da, da. so there's a new tool now to battle the rats. Rat birth control, says Tamara Apperton, spokesperson for the San Francisco Parks Department. Call it reproductive management. Birth control makes it sound like tiny condoms or something. Yeah, really? really does good luck getting those on the rats. Uh, but they're talking about this new rat birth control that they use. <clears throat> and my first question was, because they, they, they talk about they have a bait box that's mm. full of this stuff that's like a milkshake for rats. Um, but it, it contains oral contraceptives. And it, huh. it renders both the females and the males unable to produce eggs and or sperm for like three months. And I said to myself, why don't they just kill them? But the way rats reproduce... um, I assume
3: that it's uh, similar to other beasts?
2: Well, uh, no, that's not what I meant. They make the rat
3: with two backs?
2: That's not what I meant by the way they reproduce. The frequency, the numbers, etc. If you had a bunch of dead rats, the population would just explode and fill their spots. But if you have living rats that are eating and mating and fighting if there get to be too many rats, so they've got a share of the rat pie, if you will. So why Delicious, tangy rat pie. It's better to have sterile rats than dead rats.
3: Because if you kill the rats, what happens? They eat the other... The the excess population fills in their
2: spots. In in essence.
3: But if they're sterile, you got some rat girl uh, dating some rat guy for, like, months, and he he must not be interested in me.
2: I don't know what's going on. Right, or they end up going in vitro or whatever. Little do they suspect that they can't.
3: Here's a stunning math factoid that I learned the other day that will explain how rats can get out of hand or mice or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I got one for you, too. You only have to
2: double 40 times to get to a trillion. Wow. Well, there you go. Rats are astonishingly prolific breeders. One couple, one couple, honey, I'm home. <laughs> one couple and their descendants theoretically can produce up to fifteen thousand vermin a year. Now, with uh, you know the usual predators, drought, cold, etc., it ends up not being fifteen thousand, but two rats within a year there can be fifteen thousand. Well, sure,
3: and if you if you can. If you double 40 times to get to a trillion, you can certainly get to a very large number of rats you don't want quite quickly.
2: Yeah. So the way populations of animals work, and, and one of these experts is, is addressing it, killing rats is only half the equation. The factor that drives rodent populations is the birth rate. You cannot kill them fast enough or sustainably enough because the, the birth rate will just, uh, or survival rate will explode over here and fill it in. It's like, uh, uh Craig Gottwalls, Craig, the, uh, the healthcare guru sent us a great article once about coyote populations. You can't kill off coyotes because if you, uh, they have an amazing ability somehow as a species to sense uh, where their population is and if you reduce the population over here it'll explode over there and just fill in the blank
3: huh why aren't people doing that is that because we got enough people around that we aren't reproducing or is it a different thing
1: we think too much i don't know
8: armstrong and getty
1: residents at brightview senior living communities enjoy enhanced possibilities independence and choice